We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, good morning and happy Friday. So we are still in the midst of a national battle for life. And if you are a values-based voter and a Christian conservative, this is one of the most important issues because we know that all human beings are made in the image of God, have inherent dignity and worth from the moment of conception all the way until natural death. And we want to ensure that our law reflects that rightful, truthful, moral standard. And in an opinion piece for the New York Times earlier this week, Kellyanne Conway, who is a former senior counselor to uh, then-President Trump, uh, delved into the intricacies of selecting a vice presidential candidate for uh, Trump's potential return to the White House if, in fact, he is the GOP nominee. It was titled, Who Should Be Trump's Number Two?, and uh, she began her essay with uh, the most important vice pres- presidential selection question for Mr. Trump is less who than why. But she goes on to say this, which is what I want to focus on this morning. Mr. Trump also needs a number two who can mitigate the damage and turn the tables on one of the few tools left in the Democrats' arsenal, abortion. Democrats are not winning on the economy, crime, Uh, the border or foreign policy, but they have leveraged fear and lies about total opposition to abortion and a national abortion ban and unforced errors by pro-lifers in state initiatives to keep the heart of abortion beating strongly. So I I think uh, this is a an interesting perspective, regardless of who the GOP nominee would be, uh, and also regardless of who a vice presidential pick would be on that ticket. So joining me now to discuss all this and more is our good friend, Abby Johnson, who is the founder of And Then There Were None Ministries and, um, of course, a former Planned Parenthood director. And Abby, uh, do you agree with Kellyanne's analysis? Well, I mean, it's it's a little frustrating because I think Kellyanne is, is the one who's kind of made some missteps over and over again. Um, in her analysis of abortion, uh, particularly over the past year, uh, she is the one who has said repeatedly that we need, you know, 15 weeks is kind of the consensus. She says that that's the consensus of the pro-life movement. Um, there has been no such consensus in the pro-life movement. I can say um Unequivocally, I have a much better sense of what's happening in the pro-life movement than Kellyanne Conway. And, uh, you know, under 
no such terms has there been a consensus that there should only be a 15-week ban. Um, but she thinks that that is the right move to make. I do not. Um, I think that there there has been some missteps in the pro-life movement as far as strategy, messaging in these ballot initiatives. I think that's absolutely true. But is abortion an issue where we simply cave and say, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll make compromises. Um, we'll, we'll say that we, you know, only believe that third trimester abortion should be banned or something like that. No. Um, we're talking about the inherent dignity of human life. And I mean, this is, this is akin to saying, well, you know, back in the civil rights movement where we said, you know, slavery is wrong. Slavery is wrong. Why? Because there's inherent dignity of all human life. Can you imagine if the abolitionists would have said, well, let's only ban some form of slavery. Let's only ban slavery for, you know, these, these people or if it's this age or whatever. No, they, they wanted to ban all slavery. This is the same thing. We want to ban all abortion. Why? Because all abortion is wrong. Not just abortion past 15 weeks, not just abortion in the third trimester. We believe abortion is wrong because we believe life begins at conception. That's so well said, Abby Johnson. And it seems like there is a political calculation being made by some of the GOP that because abortion is, according to them, a losing issue for conservatives. And, and as Kellyanne Conway puts it in her op-ed, she thinks that um, you know this is one of the few tools left in the Democrats' arsenal and that they're so focused on this that we should just take that away as a potential target. Well, if we're just kind of giving up on issues that are so foundational and fundamental to not only conservatism, but a, a moral and upright view of the law, then what it, what would the GOP as a political party even be standing for? Well, and we have seen the GOP lose ground on some conservative issues. So the GOP has been very wobbly on LGBT issues. And, you know, we have seen them kind of lose ground there. What, I mean, what should our stance be on that? We should not be, we should not have groups, you know, headlining the RNC like log cabin Republicans. Um, you know, they opened up the RNC, you know, at the last convention. Um, why are we allowing that? Why are we allowing, you know, LGBT groups to sort of dominate the party in some sense? Um, you know, these LGBT, I remember when, when Trump was running in 2020, there were Trump T-shirts, there were Trump 2020 T-shirts on the Trump website that were in the pride flag. Um, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we allowing this? Why are we so desperately... Uh, trying to cater to this small group of people when the overwhelming majority of conservatives do not believe in this sort of, you know, these sort of disordered lifestyles. Um, why are we so desperate to create this big tent when, when we know that the road is narrow? And we know that conservatism was built on Judeo-Christian principles. So I'm not sure why we're doing the same thing with abortion. There is not going to be any 
sort of common ground with Democrats on the issue of abortion. Democrats are never going to say, yeah, okay, um, yeah, we're for banning abortion, you know, past 15 weeks. Absolutely not. Biden just came out and said he supports abortion all three trimesters. The Democrats are never going to come out and say we accept any sort of abortion ban. So why are we trying to, to form some sort of, you know, of, of consensus with them. It's not going to happen. The road is narrow. I am willing to lose on the issue of abortion because abort, we have to choose righteousness every single time. Yeah, it's such a great point. Um, Abby Johnson, um, she's the founder of And Then There Were None uh, Ministries, and you've devoted um, your life to pro-life advocacy and work. And, you know, a lot of the the Republicans in the GOP base would suggest that if we don't find some kind of compromise on some of these hot button issues like abortion, like LGBTQ, um, you know, some of these so-called social issues, I would say they're biblical righteousness issues. Um, but if we don't find some common ground, then the math just won't add up and we'll continue to lose. So we need to pick our battles, you know, that kind of thing to say we need a bigger tent. And why should we exclude uh, the LGBTQ people if they're going to vote Republican. But here's the thing. If they come into the party and then are trying to shape the party and get senior roles in the party, um, I'm thinking of people like um, Rick Grinnell, who I mean, I know personally because I worked for for Donald Trump, um, people like Caitlyn Jenner, who is a, a spokesperson now um, and is actually supposedly a conservative commentator on Fox News. I mean, what what could he possibly say that is that is conservative? I mean, maybe has a view of women's sports that I agree with. But other than that, I mean, he doesn't speak for conservatism when he's living a lifestyle that is sinful and diametrically opposed with traditional values that you're right are predicated on the Judeo-Christian worldview. So if we're allowing these people to come into a a party that should reflect conservative values, they'll end up shaping the priorities. And I think we're seeing that. And and so how do we counter this argument that we have to have a big tent, otherwise we're going to continue to lose elections, and then we're basically just abdicating to the Democrats. So let's take what we can get, basically. Well, I think that we, I, I think we have to do exactly what, what you and I are doing right now. I think we have to have the conversation. I think that we have to talk individually to people because that, that kind of has been the message, right? Just take what you can get, take what you get. That is mediocrity. Okay. And I think the Republican party has been so used to accepting mediocrity and the, the pro-life movement as well. We've been so used to accepting mediocrity that when we get it, we're happy about it. But the reality is that we don't have to accept mediocrity. And right now, the pro-life movement has, we have, we have the upper hand because Roe has been overturned. So why are we continuing to be on the defensive? We should be on the offensive. But we're not running smart campaigns. Uh, we're not running, you know, properly branded campaigns. And we're all over the place with our messaging. And so, you know, one of my goals has been and what we are doing is really working together, having some unified marketing, having some unified branding on these ballot initiative campaigns. We need to do that. But 
we have to we have to have this messaging that says we're not going to compromise. We're not going to work with Democrats on this issue. Democrats are wrong. We are the ones that are right because we are on the side of the Lord. We cannot take we cannot take God out of this conversation, and God is not going to be the one that compromises on this issue either. He's very clear in Scripture how he feels about the unborn, how he feels about the innocent, and we have to take that stand as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And if we are uh, making a distinction and kind of bifurcating the what we do in church and the values we have there versus what we uh, attempt to do in politics, then we are doing what uh, one of one of my favorite authors, Nancy Piercy, who's a Francis Schaeffer scholar, describes in her book Total Truth as a secular sacred divide, meaning that we can stand for life in our churches, and some, some churches won't even touch it, sadly, but most churches would at least agree we stand for, for pro-life, and yet, then when we go into politics, that's considered secular, and we need to just go with whatever the party describes, and we are losing ground in the sense that we're not standing up for our principles and advocating for even incremental wins, and you mentioned, Abby, earlier that um, there have been some missteps by certain state initiatives because there's kind of a lack of cohesion. Um, describe that more at w- what's going on on the state level, because abortion really is a state battle now. I don't think there's ever going to be mm-hmm. consensus, at least in the near future from Congress. What are the missteps and and what should be the plan? Yeah, so I'll just kind of give an example of what happened in Ohio. So Ohio ballot initiative absolutely should have passed. Ohio is not a pro-abortion state by any means. Uh, Ohio is a conservative state, but you had multiple organizations going into the state and, and they were all giving different messages. So, um, and they were all, they did not have a combined financial effort. So you had, you know, various, various organizations going into the state of Ohio, all different funds, right? So you have one organization that, you know, has, you know, two million dollars. You have another organization that has a million dollars. Another organization that has two hundred fifty thousand. Instead of combining efforts, combining funds, and saying we're going to put on this huge campaign to try to attempt to counter what's being done by Planned Parenthood, by the abortion industry, um, they all did these little individual campaigns because the pro-life movement is all very siloed, and. Um, and so then you have one group saying, well, we're not going to focus on abortion that much, on what is actually happening in abortion. We're going to focus on parental rights and how this is taking away parental rights. And then you have another group saying, no, we're really going to focus on abortion. And then you have another group saying, well, we're going to focus on what this could do to parents and, the, and you know, the hormones that could be given to kids inside of these clinics. So you had all these different messages going on. But the reality is that the winning message, and particularly for young people, is the pro-life message. So I think that is where we have to continue to focus because people do still care about abortion. And that is where, I mean, every exit polling was telling us pro the pro-life message is the winning message, not criminal rights, not all these other things that pro-life groups were attempting uh, to really put on the ballot instead of abortion. 
Yeah, and, and that makes so much sense, um, Abby, that we need to combine our efforts and the pro-life movement should be narrowly focused on one goal, which is to protect life. And even though there are vastly different um, conversations about ways we can get there, um, what you're saying makes sense that we need to uh, coalesce um, around initiatives that we all can agree on. We should um, have targeted messaging instead of allowing the Democrats to uh, to define the pro-life message for us. And um, there's a lot more work to be done, but we're all out of time for this segment. Thanks so much, Abby Johnson. We'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for health care. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the health care needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced Advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back, and I'd like to welcome in our next guest, Jeremy Stallnecker, who our listeners will recognize as the CEO of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, which is dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families who are suffering from the unseen wounds of combat such as PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And Jeremy has a brand new book um, that he is the co-author of with our good friend Chad Robichaud that is called Not the Solution, Winning the Battle Against Suicide. So Jeremy, um, thanks so much for joining me and for um, addressing this incredibly important topic uh, in this book. So um, what it, what is the, the basic um, outline of why this book is so important for uh, particularly veterans. I appreciate you having this conversation, Jenna. It is an important conversation, and uh, actually I think you and I have had it a couple of times. Because it continues, there is an epidemic, and, and we talk about this often, in the veteran community of suicides, and we use that number 22. Uh, 22 veterans a day, we're told, take their lives. Um, almost five, five, four and a half active duty service members take their lives every single day. So we, we, we take those numbers. Um, as we've discussed in the past, those are probably not the actual numbers. A lot of research has been done even recently. Uh, America's Warrior Partnership just put out a great study, and they put the number at closer to 40 a day. Now, whatever the number is, it's terrible, but between 22 and 40, there are a lot of folks every day making that ultimate decision to end their lives. And this is something that with our work with veterans and active duty service members, and even in the first responder community, we've addressed for, you know, more than 12 years. Um, but the hope was in the drawdown of the wars and a lot of other things that have taken place in the last 12 or 15 years that these issues would begin to diminish as well. And what we've seen is that 
not only have they not diminished, but they've increased, and, and not just in the veteran community. Um, we're told that in 2023, 40,000-plus uh, Americans outside of the military, outside of the veteran community, 40,000-plus Amer- uh, uh, Americans took their lives. So this is an epidemic not only in our community but in America at large. So uh, there are military issues, there are post-traumatic stress issues, but there are cultural issues that are driving this. And so we've been talking about this for a long time, but decided it was finally time for us to add to the literature on this this topic and try to address it simply, clearly, and really from the perspective that we've been addressing it from, uh, again, throughout our history as an organization. Yeah, which which is based on the biblical worldview, and I love what uh, your website says about uh, this this book. And the title is "Not the Solution: Winning the Battle Against Suicide." And um, you go on to say, instead of surrendering to the purpose, purposelessness, hopelessness, pain, and anguish, thereby spreading it around to everyone in your life, you can find a new purpose, a new hope, a new mission to give your life meaning. You have so much still to give, you just don't yet know how to give it. But God sees how much you can give and who still needs you. He's just waiting for you to be ready for your new mission. And that, Jeremy, um, that purpose and that hope that can only be found in living a life dedicated and completely sold out to Jesus Christ um, is at the foundation of all of this. That's right, and the question has been asked and will continue to be asked. With as much that has been written and said about this this issue, why would you, you know, why would Mighty Oaks, why would a Christian organization want to contribute to what's already been said? And and fundamentally the reason is what you just said, (laughs) that a lot of folks who are dealing with this suicide issue are really trying to address the fruit of a very poisonous tree, and we're trying to prevent suicide, instead of stepping back and asking the question, the problem is growing. So what's causing the problem? It's great to stop suicide, and we want to do everything we can. We have stories, you know, almost every week of folks who have been through our program, reaching out to friends who are struggling, showing up at their house in the middle of the night, (laughs) dragging them out of bad situations to prevent them from ending their lives. And that's very important. But critically, we need to focus not just on preventing the act of suicide, but, but identifying what, what is the actual enemy that we're trying to fight? What's driving this? And the way we have addressed this is by understanding that, you know, two of the major drivers are a lack of purpose and a lack of identity um, for whatever reason. And there are a lot of reasons. Maybe it's something that happened in childhood, something that happened in adulthood, a change of life circumstance or situation for those in the military, you know, leaving combat, leaving that brotherhood, stepping out of, uh, you know, a role that was very clear. There's a lack of purpose, a lack of identity, and this this affects all of us. So what we need to address is that. Well, how do we regain purpose and identity? We know scripturally the only way to regain or understand purpose and identity is by finding that in the purpose for which we were created, (laughs) uh, that is to honor God, to glorify God, to uh, live our lives for Him, to align our life to the life He created us to live, and to find our identity in, in our Savior Christ. And once those two pieces are in place, we're able to move forward in a meaningful way. It's addressing the actual issue instead of simply trying to prevent something that is indeed horrible. 
Yeah. And instead of just masking the symptoms or providing, um, you know, drugs, for example, to just as a way right. to escape or alcohol or, you know, other uh, mechanisms that, that anybody, I mean, not just veterans, but I think anyone dealing with um, depression or, you know, any of these other issues can turn to, uh, giving them real solutions and genuine hope. And I'm speaking with Jeremy Stalnecker, who is um, the co-author of this book, Not the Solution, Winning the Battle Against Suicide. And um, in, in this, Jeremy, do you find that that the veterans that go through your program, that um, some of them uh, come who think they are Christians or they have kind of mm. a knowledge of God, but they haven't really put it into practice? Absolutely. This is one of the things I always kind of laugh, you know, inside of myself. <laughs> when someone says, well, your program is only for Christians, so I can't attend. I had this conversation last week with uh, a well-meaning person who's really struggling. He's like, well, I think your program is probably good, but I'm not a Christian. Um, over the years, the vast majority of folks who have attended one of our programs would maybe claim to be a Christian, but not have an authentic relationship with Christ. But many of them would say things like, I hate God, I'm mad at God, or I just don't believe in God, or whatever, but I have nowhere else to turn, so I'm here. And and really, it is. It's, it's instructors, it's the folks who are working there to teach the content that we have, modeling through their own lives. I know where you are because I've been there. I've struggled the same way that you've struggled. I had many of the same thoughts you did about God, about faith, about, you know, these issues, but I had to fully understand who I am in the sense of my relationship with the Creator and move forward in my own life and then sharing that gospel message, the clear truth of what it is to have a relationship with God because of what Christ did for us. And and having that light bulb come on for so many folks, and, you know, numbers are just numbers, but anecdotally... Um, Close to 70% of people who attend our programs would make a profession of faith over the course of that week. And so it's it's so crazy. People say it's so simple what you guys do, and how can it possibly work? <laughs> well, there are, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot after a program. But fundamentally what we do works because we're saying, hey, we need to get back to the source. We need to get back to the place of understanding who we really are and who God is and his purpose for us and and what it is to experience new life in Christ. And so it's extremely powerful. And, and you know, folks on the outside will say, it's too simple. Well, <laughs> it costs Jesus everything. It's the message of the Bible. Um, maybe it is simple, but aligning your life to the life God created you to live, it changes everything. And yeah, it, and the gospel truth is very simple, but it is very effective because it is That's truth. Right. And everything that you're saying, Jeremy, um, applies to every human being because we're all made in the image of God and because we all need hope and purpose and we can only find that in our creator. And while you are specifically focusing on veterans and, um, and, and it really does help to be able to speak to someone who has lived and shared um, a common experience. I mean, I, I can just speak um, from my own experience of, of what I would honestly call a, a trauma over the last um, couple of years in dealing with some of the legal um, issues that I've gone through and some of right. the, yes. um, you know, some of the, the persecution, whether it's, you know, lies um, just told about me, you know, other things. Um, it has really, yes. really helped me 
to be able to speak um, not only to Christian counselors and everyone, regardless of where you're at, whether you're going through a trauma or not, you should you should have um, advisors be discipled. But it really does help to have someone who understands because they have um, maybe a common experience or they can at least understand uh, trauma and then they can give you counsel based on the word of God. In fact, I was just speaking to um, my biblical counselor, uh, one of them who's uh, through Pastor John MacArthur's church and is a pastor I've known for years and um, just love him dearly. And, um, you know, and we're we sharing some of this. And when, um, you know, and it, and it was so funny because he told me, he said, you know, Jenna, it, it, I know that you know this, but it's always back to the basics mm-hmm. where, yeah. you know, be anxious yeah. for nothing, everything by yeah. prayer and supplication. Um, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I've mm. I have memorized that verse since I was little, but as you continue to move on through your life, um, that has a much more deeper and profound meaning. And we need to not just know Scripture; we need to apply it. And and so as yeah. you're um, as you're working with um, veterans who are now giving their lives to Christ and they're finding the hope and purpose of mission through their creator, um, Jeremy, maybe in um, the last few minutes we have here, um, give a couple of those testimonials um, for people who may be listening and they're struggling, whether they're a veteran or they're just um, a Christian who's going through something really difficult and needs hope in the Lord. Well, there is hope in the Lord and it, Man, I appreciate what you just said there so much and, and your testimony, because this is not a veteran issue. This is a, a human issue, and it's something we all yeah. need to come to terms with. And the hope that we find in Christ really is rooted in truth. So much of what we struggle with is just not true. It may be circumstantially true, but it's not universally true. We start to believe the voices that tell us we're not worth anything or uh, we may have been important at one time, but we're not anymore, or our loved ones would be better off without us, or whatever the case. We start to listen to these voices, and then culture starts to pile on us, and, and we accept what's said, and we accept what's modeled, and what we need to do is confront all of that with truth. And the Bible tells us that you know truth is Scripture. Um, thy word is truth. It, that is, the word of God is truth. And we need to confront everything that's happening in our lives, just as you, you modeled there, <laughs> with the truth of the word of God. I'm experiencing anxiety and I'm experiencing fear. I need to confront that with what the truth of the word of God says. And that's where hope comes from. Hope is being able to lift your gaze from where you're standing right now, the mess that you're standing in right now. Lift your gaze from that and understand that your confidence, your faith, your assurance is not in where you are right now, but in someone that is God who's outside of your circumstance. And there's so much hope in that. And that's really what we want to communicate in this book. There's a short section that breaks this down. Advice for those who are struggling, advice for those who have loved ones who are struggling, and advice for pastoral counselors, people in ministry who have folks in their church that are struggling. And the core of that, again, fundamentally, is there is hope. It feels bad right now. It's dark right now. Certainly no one can take that away, but there is hope, and God provides that hope to anyone who will cast their gaze on him and move into that purpose for which he created them. Preach it, brother. That is so true, and <laughs> um, and I can absolutely say in my own life when, you know, I, I get up some days and even though everybody you know, tunes in and listens and I, you know, talk about the news of the day, there's always so yeah. much going on in our individual lives that sometimes 
um, we either put aside or we don't necessarily share. But this is why it's so important to have these kinds of testimonies, because people tend to then look at, you know, someone uh, like you, Jeremy, you know, and think, um, oh, everybody, you know, all these Christians have their act together, but I don't feel that yeah. way. And I'm, I have anxiety, I have, um, you know, depression, or I have, you know, th- this outlook that isn't hopeful right now. Well, we have all been there. And it may not be yeah. as severe as actual PTSD, but there are, there are, it's a gradient and, and that's okay. But we've all faced days that we just think, I can't do this anymore. I can't go on there. It's, it's yeah. hopeless. This is this problem's never going to be resolved. And the one thing in my own life that I have realized that has become more and more true over the last several years for me is that I wish I had trusted God more sooner. And I mm. want to continue to put that into practice and say, okay, if I truly mean that, then what am I facing today? And what are my fears? What's my anxiety? And if I wish I had trusted God more sooner, well, let me actually act on that and trust him now and trust that he will provide. He has hope. We have confidence in him and that we know that his sovereign will governs. And regardless of what happens in this life, we know that we have hope for eternity and that he is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in us. And that is the hopeful message. And um, Jeremy, so your book is not the solution, winning the battle against suicide. And, you know, that, of course, is the the last measure of I can't deal with life. And obviously, you're, you're wanting to prevent people from getting to that point. Um, so in just the last minute or so I have with you, um, talk about the Mighty Oaks Foundation in particular and where how people can join this program so they don't even get to that point that they're contemplating suicide. Our program is for veterans, active duty service members, first responders, and spouses. So those are the categories. And the easiest way to find out about us is to go to our website, mightyoaksprograms.org, mightyoaksprograms.org. And there you can apply for a program. We cover the cost of the program. We cover the cost of travel through incredible supporters. And so there's really nothing that you have to put out other than the time. And as you mentioned, wherever you find yourself on this spectrum, uh, maybe at the end we have people who show up and say, hey, if this program doesn't work on Saturday, I'm going to end my life. And we have that happen all the time. And then we have other folks who are there who say, you know, I'm doing pretty well, um, but maybe I need a perspective shift. And so kind of along that spectrum, people attend, and we do our best to help them to understand what a life aligned to the creator looks like and uh, we've seen incredible success along the way to get the book well, thank you. uh not the solution.com not the solution.com to get that and uh, we look off that to you well thank you so much for your testimony and your ministry for the lord jeremy stallnecker and you can go to mightyoaksprograms.org and we'll be right back with more here on jenna ellis in the morning Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband decided they never wanted kids. When she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. 
But after she and her husband met her baby on an ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful. Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And if you missed that last segment with Jeremy Stalnecker and uh, talking about the difficulties that uh, we all go through as human beings made in the image of God, having inherent dignity and worth, and yet living in a fallen world and all of us seeking hope and uh, seeking truth, uh, you really need to go back and listen to that segment. Um, but I wanted to kind of expand on that. Uh, with you all this morning. And I just want to be real here um, this morning, because I mentioned in that last segment, um, just a little bit of some of the things that I've personally um, been struggling with and kind of working through over the last year, which a lot of you are aware of some of them, uh, because they've been very prominent, unfortunately, in uh, in the news media. And, you know, and this is not just a, a segment to kind of air my, my grievances or my personal issues, but rather to be real with you and um, and tell you that it's not always easy uh, at all. And I think that there is this perception sometimes that uh, for people who have some amount of uh, of notoriety or celebrity or uh, or on air, uh, that somehow we're kind of above all of that, and we um, we are impervious to some of the criticism that we get. And overall, um, I know that I have a lot of haters on kind of all sides, and that's just. That's just uh, part of part of the business of speaking the truth, and uh, that is one of the uh, consequences of standing up for what's right, even if people don't understand the full story, even if, um, like right now, I can't on some things tell the full story. Um, hopefully, in in some aspects of uh, what I've gone through in the last year, I can eventually and answer um, you know some of the questions that people have have posited. But the overall point is that you have to, as a Christian continue on in your mission regardless of the naysayers. And there is a wonderful example in scripture uh, in the book of Job and how uh, Job was purposefully tested by the Lord. And we see the conversation going on in heaven um, that Job wasn't aware of. And yet we see um, that on earth, his the people who were purported to be his best friends, uh, which weren't friends at all, were ones criticizing him, condemning him, uh, not understanding his decision-making. His own wife said at one point, curse God and die, uh, which of course is bad advice always. Um, Don't take Job's (laughs) wife's advice. Um, But there are people in your life that even if they claim to be friends, will not give you biblical advice. And it's not to say that sometimes exhortation or admonishment is not worthy of being listened to. Uh, Absolutely. And this is why we all need to be part of a local church. But we need to take criticism and admonishment and advice, especially only from people that first and foremost give us biblical advice. 
And second, we now have our genuine best interests as a Christian and our walk with the Lord at heart, not merely affirmation. I have a very select few people in my life, um, including my family, uh, a couple of pastors, and I'm very grateful to have a a lot of pastors across the country that pray for me daily, Um, but I don't necessarily take all of their advice um, or, or talk to them on a personal level. I have a very few select people that I know meet those two criteria, that they themselves are Christians following the Lord, uh, have a substantive knowledge of God and a practical application. Not that they're perfect, but they are themselves following Christ and they hold themselves to the same standard by which they're holding me. And those are the people whose criticism and advice that I take and value. And also, they are the only people in my life whose criticism and advice and their respect for me as a Christian actually matters. Um, and I'm very grateful to hear from you know listeners across the country on this radio program, on my Salem uh, show, on social media all the time. But the reason that I'm kind of able to put aside um, the the haters, and I appreciate all of the encouragement from people from a Christian perspective, but even the people who you know, say, um, especially when I was working for Trump, like, you know, Jenna, you're the, you're the best lawyer in America, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I didn't let that go to my head and thinking, oh, yes, I am quite wonderful. Thank you. Um, because I know my own human failings, right? So it's not a matter of only receiving encouragement or rejecting criticism, but it's a matter of understanding that people have a very narrow view of you and your life. And this is especially true if you are in any uh, level of a platform. And that could include a pastor. It could include a small group leader. It doesn't have to be um, somebody like me that has the the privilege, the opportunity, and the mission, frankly, to, to speak to millions of people daily. Um, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a group of, of 10 that you pastor, a group of, you know, a dozen women that you lead a small group, um, an elementary school that you teach, or if you if you have a a platform that reaches millions, um, what matters is that the people who know you personally and who meet those two criteria are the ones that you allow to speak into your life, and you reject um, the the accolades of the masses and also the criticism of the masses. And that's how I try to separate it because, um, in all honesty, I mean this this past. It's been about four years now of um, of a lot of just you know strange and and, uh, and crazy difficulties that I've gone through in my life, um, and some of those, like I said, you know, you all are very familiar with because they've made national headlines, which is um, something actually difficult to deal with. Um, but some of them you don't know. Um, so, for example, um, one of my my family members, my immediate family members, and I'm not going to go into detail. I'm um, just out of respect for privacy concerns, but. Um, was in the hospital shortly before the 4th of July last year. And um, that was truly the hardest thing I have gone through in the last um, four years. That when uh, when a family member you're not sure is going to survive uh, what happened, um, life really becomes real. Um, and I've had people, you know, my grandparents have passed away, some of those things, but an immediate family member um, facing a very, very unexpected medical event um, is just devastating. 
And, um, and we walked through that as a family. Um, AFR was incredibly supportive. Um, so Salem, and I'm so grateful that I work for Christian networks who understand the importance of family. Um, and then I came back uh, to Florida after spending some time, you know, away with my family. Um, and, and I came back to Florida and less than two weeks later um, is when is when the whole Georgia indictment happened. Right. So it's just been one thing after the next after the next. And of course, that is now resolved, um, thankfully. And and yet now the um, the Colorado bar has chosen to try to strip me of my law license. And so I'm facing yet another uh, legal battle and looking at um, another probably seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars of uh, money that I don't have to fight uh, the legal battles. And um, and again, um, you know, looking for uh, whether it's private donors. And I've had a couple of great organizations previously that supported me even before Georgia, because I've had actually a lot of legal things related to the Trump era um, subpoenas and so forth that I've had to deal with with legal counsel. And God has been faithful every step of the way. And it's been interesting to me to look at, and and I actually made a list of some of the lies that have been perpetuated about me. And and I actually had to laugh um, because some of these things are just so outrageous, but they're things that have been national headlines. And I just want you to sit there and think, how would you respond if these were lies that were said about you? So for example, um, you're part of the deep state. You never actually supported Trump. You didn't do your job effectively. Um, all of this, you're just in this for fame. You're an admitted liar. You're a convicted felon. All of these are lies, by the way. These are absolute lies. Um, you stole some of your donation money. Um, you stole all of your donation money is what one, a, a number of people have said. Um, you've been married five times. Um, you are a bigamist. That was actually a headline that some insane journalist, um, and I put journalist in air quotes, um, wrote about me. Um, and then this is my favorite. Um, there was a conspiracy theory that someone actually contacted Steve Dace and asked if it was true if I was executed at Gitmo uh, last year in December. <laughs> so, I mean, th- I mean, these are actually things that people believe about me. So apparently the me that you're listening to is a deep state plant that the real Jenna was taking. I mean, there's this whole like online conspiracy. It's kind of insane, right? And some of these lies aren't even worth responding to because they're so outrageous. But some of them go directly to my character, right? Um, but there is a really um, f- famous saying, and, and I think it's very apt, um, care about your character, not your reputation, because your character is what you are, not just what people believe about you. And I can't control uh, what people choose to believe about me, and I can't choose to control whether people love me or hate me. Um, I can only be faithful to the Lord. And and I share all of this with you, um, first of all, to thank all of you who persistently pray for me, encourage me, and, and understand that there is so much going on in life besides just giving you um, the headlines of the day. But I, I say all of that actually to encourage you, because one of the things that I have been faced and the challenges that I have tried to meet um, in in seeking the Lord and seeking the advice and counsel of the few people in my life that I trust who are giving me sound biblical advice for my good, not just simply affirming my feelings, is that I have to con- consistently be faithful to the Lord regardless. And uh, my counselor this past week that I was speaking to reminded me of Job, and then it took 42 chapters before Job was willing to acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty. Hopefully it doesn't take me 42 chapters of my own life. I'm coming up on chapter 40 this year, actually, um, if we go by years as a metric. And 
that I do need to trust the Lord because he, for his own sovereign purposes before the foundation of the world, ordained all of these things that I would go through. Now, I have free will, of course, but he knew the challenges in life I would face. He also knew the opportunity for mission and ministry that he would place on my life. And that is true for you. So whatever challenges you may be facing, if you are a Christian, one of the things that you are obligated to do and you do just by virtue of being a Christian is that you testify to the truth of the Lord and his working salvation in your life. You are a witness. Those are legal terms. And that became very, uh, very important to me after I went through law school and I started reading the book of Romans Uh, in particular, from the perspective of a lawyer. And how many of these legal terms like justification and sufficiency and um, and, and witness and and trial and testify. I mean, all of these are legal terms. And, And Paul, the writer of Romans, was himself a lawyer. So that makes sense. But if we are Christians, we need to take those things very seriously, that we are witnesses and have an opportunity to testify in our sphere of influence, however big or small it may seem to you. There, it doesn't matter to, to the Lord. He has given you your sphere of influence for a purpose. And if you are only testifying to one person today or to a million people today, that, that's no different in the eyes of the Lord. So embrace being a missionary. And actually, that's what my church just talked about this last Sunday. And that was very convicting for me and a and another um, opportunity that the Lord showed me, stay faithful to the ministry and engage in the calling that God has for us. Know our mission field. So, you know, I've gotten criticism from people saying, you know, why don't you just resign and, you know, go shut up and, and uh, you know, go because, you know, we think that you're you're a liar and all of these other ridiculous things. And I think, Why? Because I don't care what you think. I care what the Lord has for me. And so I will get up every morning regardless of the difficulties. And some days, quite honestly, I feel like I can't get through the day because of all of the challenges, the burdens that I face, the, you know, Lord, where where are you going to provide another $100,000 for me? I mean, all of these things that we go through are very difficult. But God says sufficient unto the day is the trouble therein. And to pray without ceasing, let your requests be known unto the Lord and the peace, be anxious for nothing, and the peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, that is so fundamental. And we've probably, like me, like I told Jeremy, you know, I've memorized these verses since I was a kid, but the application continues to be in a more and more and more profound way in my life. And so for the people that you listen to every day on this radio network, I know each and every one of them. And I know that we are doing this because it is a mission field. It is a calling. And God is a miracle working God. And Jesus has a call on all of our lives. We cannot follow him if we don't know him. Be careful who you listen to. And make sure that you are being discipled so that you do not derelict your calling and that you don't listen to either the praise or the criticism of people that don't know you personally and are not engaged specifically in your good for your testimony to the truth of the gospel of Christ. So thank you to everyone who does encourage me in the Lord, but know that I face the same battles that you do. And it, and it may be, you know, different areas, but we're all human beings. It's all very, very difficult sometimes, but God is always faithful. That's what keeps me going. So you can reach me and my team, Jenna at AFR.net. Make it a great weekend for the Lord, our Savior.
want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.